Hi, I'm David. And I'm Doug. And we are Beyond Hungry. Welcome to season two. Doug, can you believe that already in season two? It's crazy, man. It's uh, uh, I'm very glad that we're here. And uh, yeah, and we're really excited to, to see what's ahead. I, I totally agree. I'm super excited to share our new adventures with our audience and the guests that we have. Um, Doug, tell us about our special guest in this episode. Yeah, so our, our first guest for this season, uh, we're going to talk to Jen Bacom. Uh, she is behind Savid, which is a pop-up slash virtual restaurant that operates out of the Mickle Center Community Kitchen. Uh, and so uh, the interesting thing about Savid is that they offer more plant-centric food than a lot of the pop-ups that we've seen come up during the pandemic. And so uh, we decided to talk to her and get an idea of, you know, where that comes from and how growing up with the garden has really been a huge influence on her life. That's exciting. Let's Let's go. Jen Bacom. Um, so I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. I started a business recently called Savid. It means life in the Thai and Laotian language. Um, just started and still feeling pretty good about it. Are you are you Thai or Laotian? Okay, so I'm I'm Thai Dum actually, and Thai Dum is a language that's spoken in Laos, Thailand um, is spoken in China as well. Um, so it's kind of confusing. So the Taitum culture is very similar to, uh, like Taoism. Like, so they believe in, um, like many gods or they're more spiritual, I would say. Um, so it's very, yeah, very similar to the Taoism religion. Did you grow up in Des Moines? I did. I grew up on the South side of Des Moines. I lived here basically my whole life. I lived in Ames briefly because I went to school um, at Iowa State, but mm -hmm. yeah, grew up in grew up on the South Side. Is there a reason why you emphasize that you're from the South Side? I think there's like a sense of like proudness from like Southsiders. I I don't know. I just I'm just proud to be from the South Side. And uh, I mean, I really appreciate when people say I'm from the South Side, just because it's kind of like you're bringing awareness not only to yourself but the people that you grew up around like at the community and they're like if one of us makes it we all make it type ordeal and it's like you know i want to represent my people and the community that i'm from and say like hey like knowing me is knowing them i think once we hear something like one of our classmates or something is maybe on like some kind of tv show or something or invented <laughs> something it's like I knew that person, you know, that's really cool. Like we just, you just feel very proud for those people as well. You know, tell us what, what was that experience like growing up in Des Moines? So I would say that my experience probably entailed a lot of hanging out with family. Uh, I didn't have a lot of other kids my age on my block. So my cousins would come over and we would play outside or I would go over there uh, or like I would uh, go over to the bees. So the bees are my cousins, like Jojo Bee and like Mikey <laughs> Bee and them. So we, we would call them the bees. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, they, they're awesome. We, we grew up like walking to the pool quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So we would walk to the pool and we would be there like all day. Um, <laughs> we would just hang out there and probably like grab food there and like grew up kind of like always liking food and one thing I remember about going to the pool is 
the nachos and the pickled jalapenos. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Did you guys ever eat the nachos at the pool? Oh, I don't think we had. A... Did you have a pool growing up? There was a pool, like a, like a, a city pool, but uh, the, where I grew up was somewhat not not as friendly and inviting. Um, mm-hmm. In most cases, like fights always broke out at the pool, so I was never oh, allowed man. to go. Oh, jeez. But like we'll go like to like you know lo- like we lived near the high school, mm-hmm. um, so like we'll cross the street to go to the football field and we'll have nachos there. Like you know you always have like that bright yellow cheese. Yeah, that- <laughs> and those like Jeez. perfect perfect circle tortilla chips and oh, then yeah what is with that I, I i don't know and you got that fake char on there that's just like some kind of flavor yeah and they were just there's always good i mean i still go for them like and then the jalapenos mm-hmm. they're either like super flavorful or sometimes you get like the super spicy ones but they're I, canned a, right yeah they're like tinned jalapenos and like in like jalapeno juice or like they've been sitting in well, a, it's a it's a vinegar I it's mean, a vinegar you, yeah you can get them at most mexican restaurants yeah well uh, they like definitely they knew what they were doing because like that those that color that bright orange <laughs> probably what drew me in too as a kid like oh it's so pretty and yeah. then it's like addicting too so <laughs> yeah and there's just oh, yeah. something about the like the smooth texture of like any food aimed at kids has like they really dial in that 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 super smooth, super perfect texture that just, just like really satisfying sometimes. So yeah. Definitely. So did they put the cheese on the nachos, or did they have like the little like dip cup, which I always hate because they never give you enough cheese. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. I always ask for extra cheese and jalapenos. We're like, this kid, uh, jalapenos? You sure? <laughs> yeah, I need a bowl of jalapenos, please. Um, but <laughs> so you were eating spicy food as a kid when you were growing up. You you had no problems with the chilies or anything like that. Yeah, I think like once I hit maybe, I don't know, 10 or so is when I probably started eating really spicy. Mm -hmm. It took me a minute, but yeah, I definitely started eating spicy at a very young age. That's that's something that actually I don't think we've ever talked about, David. When did you first discover your love of heat? Probably when I was like four or three. (laughs) I don't remember. It was always there. Yeah, because like we use like I know in like in in Mexican culture we use salsa for everything like for breakfast like it's mm-hmm. it's used as much as ketchup is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. love it on my eggs too. Uh, yeah. It's the best. So it, the the spiciness like it just goes over time like something you know you build up a tolerance obviously and then it starts getting spicier like we, there's always the joke of uh, when you eat like salsa at like a Mexican restaurant and it's like really spicy you usually tell the cook like. Who made you mad today? Because <laughs> you, you, you can go there every day and it's not spicy. Then one day you're like, oh, my God. It's like, you're like sweating. You're like, who? Like, are you mad today? Like, did, did someone make you mad that you had to make it this spicy? Oh, man, I love that. That's so good. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I mean, unsurprisingly, but like that's oh, that's awesome. Um, but no, I mean, I love that, like that you have this this memory of food attached to going to the pool. And because like I also actually like when you said that that immediately brought back this memory for me because like that was one of like the best things I think about about going to like the public pool or to the pool that was at my high school is um, there was a concession stand and yeah they would and they didn't serve nachos there they only served like I think like sweets and so you could get like ice cream sandwiches or popsicles or like those like fudge dipped like ice cream bars with like nuts on top of them and things like that. And so I remember like, yeah, it was fun to go to the pool with friends, but I remember like 
I would always like try to like beg my parents for like a little extra spending money so I could go get some ice cream or something. Cause like, you know, on a hot day, cold, yeah. cool, cold ice cream, it was just like the perfect thing. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I haven't thought about that in years, honestly. So that's awesome. Every time I have like a, the Tostinos, you know, not every once in a while I'll have it. Mm. I'm not going to lie. It's very nostalgic. Like I love it. Like sometimes I'm like, I want something comforting. So I just kind of go for the Tostinos cheese dip today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's great. Do you, do, is there any other things that you find like nostalgic and flavor um, that you always like crave? And it's like, you know, it's not good, but you're like, I'm craving it. And it just like, it's just the, the whole feeling that, that you want. Like, is there any, anything else besides the Tostinos? Do you guys remember those like um, those small tiny pizzas that uh, those round pizzas that uh, you cook it in the microwave with the little piece of paper thing that they gave you? Uh huh. Do you know what I'm talking it's about? Like, it's like that paper that has like the reflective. Like oh, it's not aluminum, yeah. but it's like something that makes it like that bakes it in the microwave. I remember the hot okay. pockets. They had those, but I don't think I did the pizzas. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I didn't appreciate the Asian food that my, my parents made for me growing up like I do now. So like, even though they would cook like every day, I was like, I just want those little tiny pizzas. And so my mom would like <laughs> leave some in the freezer for me, like just in, just in case, you know, I had those moments. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely nostalgic. Tell us more about growing up and not liking your parents' food. Cause I know Doug and I have talked about this. Like, was that a reason for like wanting to assimilate in, in like here or is that something like watching tv and you're like i want this or my friends are eating this or what what made you like want the tocino pizzas over your parents cooking seeing that seeing my friends have it and my cousins have it a little bit more than i did um and i think the fact that it was it was almost a treat to me because i didn't get it as i didn't have that stuff as much so I think that's why for me it was like, like when I had it, I had to have it. I had to have it, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's good because you kind of treat it as a treat today. Yeah, I try to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Still, I'm not gonna lie. I still snack on some unhealthy stuff from time to time. Um, so, so tell us more. Like, what else did you? You said you went over to your cousin's house a lot. So my parents worked quite a bit. So I was also with my aunts and uncles um, quite a bit. They would take me to, do you guys remember like Nickelodeon and Farley's? It was very, it was an arcade place and there was okay. Nickelodeon was like just a nickel arcade. And then Farley's was, I don't know, they, they had a little bit more advanced games, um, mm -hmm. but they also had a, it was lean more towards like high schoolers or I don't know, young adult or something, but because I got to hang out with my aunt and uncle, I was the cool kid that got to go with them on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What was, what was your game of choice? What did you used to play? Okay. I'm having a brain fart. So what's that one where you just roll the, the wooden ball up? The, the ski ball. The ski yeah, ball. Ski yeah. Ball with like the circles and the score. Yeah. Yeah. Ski yeah. ball. Nice. Ski ball. I still love ski ball till this day. Like, yeah. Ski ball is a classic. Yeah. It's the go-to game. For sure. It's like when you end up at Updown, uh, which is a local barcade for for anyone who's not from Des Moines or one of the other Midwestern locations. It's a it's a barcade, and they have ski ball, and it's always 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 there's like a line. There's always like some ski ball league there, and you can never play. But, well, I mean, they finally updated it like with yeah. their second floor because the the bottom one had like, first of all, 
any arcade, whether it be Dave and Buster's, the new one in the mall, they never have enough ski balls. <laughs> they never have enough ski balls. Never. They just they, they just do. need an arcade that's just ski ball. It can be hey, one side yeah. ski ball, the other side pinball machines. Uh, <laughs> or hoop or the hoops or the shooting one. The shooting well, one. Well yeah, so yeah. like they had like and the thing is like there's always that one ski like the one uh game, like one ski ball station where it has a hole in the middle and you don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nice. Des Moines needs that. They need uh, just just that. That's all. Just one full <laughs> of that. <laughs> Going to continue the topic from like the food. So you spoil yourself with some of these nostalgic, not good food for you because this this food business that you run is all about healthy food, right? Savid, like, tell, can you tell us a little bit more about Savid? Yeah. So Savid uh, leans more towards plant-based foods and ingredients. So each week I have a different menu. So right now I'm just kind of like testing out what people like. I offer different ingredients as well. So I have like some salad dressings or I have a Thai pesto that I make, but it goes well on just about everything and it's full of herbs. So that's why that's an ingredient that I really enjoy making because of the benefits you get from all of the herbs and I feel like it's so versatile as well. So Savita is actually a name that I've been wanting to use for a while. And Tidum, it's also Savid, but it's more, a T is more emphasized, so it's more Savit. So Savit was taken, the name. So I, I <laughs> yeah, uh, to some traveler dude guy. Um, but uh, so Savit means life. And so on Instagram, I have it as food of life or food of Savid. Um, in Laos, uh, I believe it's Kong Savat Savid. Um, so that's why I have it as food of, of Savid, hoping, um, you know, that'll, that would make sense. How long has this idea been stewing? So the, it was actually a different idea that I had. Um, I had, had an idea of opening up a restaurant, uh, that's, that serves foods that are street type foods like Asian street foods mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be like a tapas kind of style. Uh, mm, yeah. Yeah. But I never was daring enough to take that kind of risk. Um, mm -hmm. So, but I, this past March, April is kind of when I, I just, I just felt like it was time and I felt like that was the perfect name for it. What was that transition like for you? Like, when did you start getting into cooking, you know, really healthfully? I would say probably in in my 20s. I kind of noticed that I was starting to feel a little like sluggish after eating certain types of foods. Um, so I started to change my diet a little bit. But I was still kind of getting familiar with foods or types of different types of plants um, plant-based foods that would work for my body. So, um, with working out and everything like that too. So it kind of, it started off in my twenties, but I think it's always just kind of been lingering around. Um, my parents have a garden. They have had a garden for, I don't remember how long it's been almost forever. And, um, they will use, they will use a lot of the ingredients from the garden um, like incorporate it in their meals. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I never really paid attention to that at first, but 
we would have like steamed vegetables with our boiled chicken or like the stuff in the garden um, used for jail, which is a dipping sauce um, or use it in wraps. Um, so yeah, we used a lot of the stuff from the garden. I just, I guess I just didn't realize that growing up. Now do you have your own garden? Not yet. So Ryan and I just moved into our house in July. We were in a tiny condo downtown for, for a little bit. <laughs> um, I have a bunch of plants here in my office and next summer I'll probably have a garden. Um, I'm hoping I have, we're able to build a greenhouse, a little tiny greenhouse next year as well. Oh, wow. Hopefully, yeah. That'd be That's awesome. I would love a greenhouse. I, I've never thought of, I, I didn't know that you could just build your own greenhouse. I don't know why I've never thought about that, but that sounds wonderful. We've never done it, but um, uh, we're going to try. <laughs> I, I want to go back to your, your parents' house and the fact they had a garden. I, I'm, I'm really curious about that. Do you remember what they, what they grew in their garden? Yeah. So it was always Thai chili peppers, um, mm -hmm. elephant ear, which they use for soup a lot. Um, what is elephant ear? Yeah. What is that? So, um, the stem is pretty, it's pretty thick and the leaves get huge. And the leaves are really <laughs> soft when you cook it. Yeah, oh, wow. it kind of reminds me, the texture reminds me of spinach, I would say. Yeah, I can bring you guys some next time. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Drop it up at the door. <laughs> is, there a, is there a place you can buy that or is that like just growing? Um, do you know like I have not seen it at the Asian market but I've we cannot get it at Sea Fresh is that's that what you're telling us it's not at Sea Fresh no it's not at Sea Fresh oh, I thought they I've, had everything I know <laughs> they almost have everything um but yeah I know it's easy to grow it really is I've seen like it in a lot of people's yards as just like mm -hmm. you know decor basically <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think people realize that you can eat it oh wow yeah it's kind of like hibiscus. It reminds me of hibiscus when you talk about decor because I see them everywhere. I'm like, I wonder if people like eat it, like yeah. hibiscus plants. If they, I wonder if they make them into that. But I'm curious. So I'm going to look it up, see if I can like walk by and and notice it. Do you know where your parents like were able to like get it, uh, how they planted it, how they started it? I have no idea. I'm going to ask my dad now because I'm stopping by there tomorrow because I want to propagate some of the plants that they have. So when I um, grab some stuff tomorrow, but yeah, I'll have to ask him that because I honestly, I've, I never even really thought to ask where he gets half of his stuff, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, back to this list of what, what was growing in your parents' garden. I interrupted you with the elephant ear question. What else is there? Um, so there's cucumber, tomatoes, sorrel. I believe. Um, mm -hmm. it's, I used it once in um, a vinaigrette. It's mm -hmm. used a lot in French cuisine, I believe. Um, uh, so that's one of my favorites. It tastes it tastes like lemon. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's really good. Um, lots of mint. They also have some Asian pear trees. They have a plum oh, tree. Nice. Yeah. Wow. And then there's something that we eat a lot. It's like, um, I think it's called a Chinese basil. It's purple. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's great in like spring roll wraps. Sometimes I'll have it, you know, with um, the vegetables they serve with the pho. Sometimes I'll yeah. add it mm -hmm. there. Yep. They, ha they have lemongrass there, too. Oh, um, nice. My dad has a uh, kaffir lime tree that he's had for, like, 10 years. 
What? Um, yeah. <laughs> Take forever. That sounds amazing. Bro. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, I want to see this garden now. Like, wait, sorry, do they still have the garden? Yeah, I can send you a picture oh, of it. I would. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's send us a picture of that garden. I, I think we'd it's, love to post that on the website if it's okay it with them. Sounds huge. Okay. That sounds like, amazing. Well, like the Kaffir lime tree is not in the garden, but he because he'll bring that inside in the winter, mm -hmm. um, or he'll probably bring it bring it inside in the next week or so. But um, so there, the garden is it's a pretty good size actually, but then the tree is like on his own and then the lemongrass is like mm -hmm. along the fence so i'll take a picture of that too and then the basil is like in the front and then oh, like wow. the um the asian pear trees are in the front and then there's also two in the back so uh, i'm gonna send you guys like probably 10 different photos of the plants and <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome i mean that I'm sounds like jealous. quite the garden like honestly like I yes I don't think I could have dreamt up of, of putting all, all, all I have right now. And I have like, I just have planters. I have, I have jalapenos. I have bell peppers. I have spring onions and tomatoes. And like that, that's all I've got. And they're all, they're all almost dead now <laughs> because of the cold snap. But that's pretty good yeah. though. Yeah. I just have basil. You just have basil. Yeah. Oh, so I forgot. I, I have some herbs. I have some basil. That's the only thing of the herbs that's actually working right now. What kind of basil do you guys have? I have the like the Italian like the Genovese sweet basil. Okay. Um and and uh but I think I do need to like branch out next year. Like I I have like ideas and designs now of what I want in my garden. So um okay. but but yeah, yeah, well I I guess actually like let's let's talk about that. You you are going to build you are planning on building a greenhouse uh when the weather gets better next year and you are you want to have a garden. Um do you have any idea of what is going to go in this future dream garden of yours? Okay, so we, I'm excited to talk about this because we have a really <laughs> cool idea. Um, so we just built a deck as well. And where the gutter is, we're going to put like a big block to hold the herbs. So I'm going to have herbs mm. on the deck. And the water, I'm gonna we're going to build it to where it like spouts out into, <laughs> I don't know, we'll figure it out. I'm not an engineer, yeah. but... Luckily, I have a friend who is an engineer. She can figure it out. This is like a Roman aqueduct. This is this is I the irrigation it. we learned about, like you know, in history class. That's amazing. Yeah, we're pretty excited. So you have the herbs, and then what what vegetables or fruits are you are you looking forward to planting? I haven't completely thought that one through right uh, through yet. I have some chives, so that's gonna probably go with the herbs or in the garden, um, growing right now. I want to do the main things that I use the most. Probably have cilantro, <laughs> parsley, tomatoes, hopefully um, some different kinds of peppers. My like my parents grow Thai chili peppers, but I don't know why they didn't they didn't really grow. I mean maybe I guess it's because they use that the most, but I want to try to grow different peppers as well. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, my projects for next year is uh, I want to plant sweet potatoes just because I want to like, be going to like a coffee roaster and just ask for coffee, like canvas bags. So I can just plant them in there. Oh, oh nice. okay. Yeah. So I follow, uh, I actually took an online, it's like a streaming service, uh, like masterclass from the gangster gardener. Uh -huh. And this guy, he's the one uh, who grew up in LA and he turned like the South Central, like the little patches of grass, like in the street corners into gardens. Oh, okay. 
and he like teaches people how to garden. He makes it so easy and so exciting. And this guy is like just cursing up a storm and he's awesome. Okay. So if you're interested in looking looking him up, he's known as the gangster gardener. What's his name? Is is it Ron 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 Finley? Ron. Yeah, Ron Finley. <laughs> those ads are like money. Like those <laughs> They are, they do really well. It makes me want to take all of their master classes. Yeah. I, uh, one of my friends gave me his, his, uh, he shared, uh, some of the videos with me and <laughs> I took, I, I watched some of them and I mean, they're really fun to watch. Uh, is, is the, the food from your garden then going to be used for Savid? I'm hoping so. I hope that the, this, whatever I grow grows produces enough to use for for Savid. Uh, let's let's talk about the the business again. Uh you mentioned that you started in around March, right? Uh right which would have been in the middle of when we were starting to receive news on the coronavirus and people were starting to lock down. Um and and also when a lot of restaurants were starting to get really nervous and shutting down or or really scrambling to come up with you know, how their business models were going to work in the middle of COVID. What made you decide like, yeah, I'm going to go through with this. Uh, I'm going to start my food business in, in the middle of maybe the, the worst possible time for food businesses. I would say that a need for resilience. So I was laid off. Um, so instead of like my usual pick me up of, you know, going to join a fitness class or something, which I couldn't because of COVID. And so I felt a need to feel like more accomplished and useful um, instead. And I always had a desire to open up a restaurant, but I never, as, as I has, had mentioned, I never wanted to, to take that risk. What made you think like, you know, I'm going to sell it through Instagram or social media, or I'm going to sell my food as, as my job. So I, I've always cooked for my friends, but I wanted I wanted other people to see that I really am into what food can do for you. I want to help others with that as well. I want to introduce people to vegetables that they've never tried before or to eat more vegetables than and less meat. And I think wanting to help people um, with their health is, is kind of why I wanted to start selling it. Like, what is the, the business right now? What is your operation like? It's a, it's a new thing that I don't think anyone has really named what this thing is, right? Right. I think it has been named. What is it? What is There's, it? I'm going to look it up, but I, I, want, I want you to, to talk about like your, your process, of like your, week, your weekly process, your day-to-day, and how do you get customers. And... Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you said something because um, we at the Medical Center, I think we call it pop-up because there's really no name for it, like you said. Um, but... So it's basically, it's basically curbside. And what I do is I'll put out a menu by Wednesday and then I'll have people place their orders in by Monday. And right now it's through social media or text message. I'm working on a website right now um, with a POS system, but for now it's just through Instagram, uh, Facebook and through texts through text messaging. I prep at the Mickle Center on Monday nights and then I have curbside pickup on on Tuesdays. And the food leans more towards plant-based foods um, and ingredients. And I want to introduce more of like my dressings and stuff. And I want to introduce 
it because I feel like you can do so much with it. Like mm. the wafu dressing, like we tossed it in um, golden potatoes. So I'm kind of going off topic now, but no, no, this is great. Okay. <laughs> I want to hear about this. I, I... <laughs> it's so simple, but it's so delicious. So just toss it in like your cut potatoes with um, some light olive oil and bake it on 350. And it gives it the honey in the wafu gives it that that outer layer, that caramelization and a little mm. bit of that crispiness. And I've used it to marinate um, vegetables and different meats. And I feel like, yeah, these ingredients you can do like so much with. And that's what I'm trying to sell to people as well. Like, you know, like don't be wasteful or anything. Try to use what you have and use mm. what you have for tons of different things, you know? Uh, let, let's talk about this. Uh, you called it the the wafu dressing. I, I have never heard of wafu dressing before. Like in my memory, like I know ranch, I know Catalina, I know, but wafu <laughs> is not, that's, that's a new thing to me. Um, like, is, is that yours? Is that a thing that just, that's maybe not as widespread? What, what is wafu dressing? No, I cannot take credit for that. That's, it's a Japanese vinaigrette, uh, type of salad dressing, but it's mm -hmm. traditionally, um, made with uh, Japanese soy sauce, rice vinegar, marin, and vegetable oil. So what I did was I just substituted a few ingredients to make it gluten-free and just oh. to make it a little bit healthier. Nice. That's awesome. So re real quick, um, so it's called Virtual Restaurants. Oh, so okay. one of my uh, old friends from Chicago, his name is uh, Hector Pimentel, he made the list of one of the like 13 splendid virtual restaurants in Chicago oh, for nice. his like burgers. Oh. It's called Chicago secret burger. So no shout out for him. But uh, yeah, apparently there's like these bunch of people who just Instagram to take out and it's called virtual restaurants. And now they're getting awards and making lists and, and people are just, you know, like he, you know, he has a full-time job and he just does this on the yeah. side and it's just crazy to hear all these stories. So yeah, that's, I think that's the new term. Okay. I got so, it. All right. so yeah. Savid is a virtual restaurant, Ooh, so you have a restaurant. Yeah. There you go. Now we just need an awards show. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do our own I, like Central Iowa virtual restaurant, like top yes. uh, top twenty list or something Please like do. that. I think I, I think we should do one for Des Moines. Yeah. I think I mean if it's if it's just hitting like major cities, mm -hmm. I'm sure like they're they're gonna get covered because there's gonna be so many people that do it. So right. I. I think if anything, we should get a group of people to do it here. Yeah, yeah, I think that's like great. maybe maybe it's not like an award. Maybe it's just like a list. Like, hey, like check these people out. These are different cuisines. You know, Savid, if you want, you know, if you want to get healthy from eating all those microwavable pizzas, <laughs> yeah. let's get uh, let's get some vegetables in your life. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, that actually like brings up a really good point because you know I remember coming across your food, Jen, um, through Instagram, and I remember when you'd put out one of those menus and. This was like in like I maybe like the first month or two of the pandemic, and I was I was not eating well. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was stressed. I was I was cooking a lot, but I was just like it was all comfort food. It was a ton of baking. It was it was just like whatever would make me feel safe and better mm -hmm. and like satisfied. Yeah. And I remember coming across that menu and being like, oh man, like. I don't think I've ever wanted something green so badly. Aww. Like it just like snapped me out of it. And I was like, and I, I, it made me realize like how much I miss like freshness and herbs and, and all mm -hmm. these things that like, I just like gone in this bad direction for so long, which, okay, maybe it's not bad, but it's just like, 
you know, it was definitely out of balance. My diet was definitely very out of balance. And I remember getting your food and just being, just feeling so satisfied and feeling so happy uh, doing that because it, it was just, I hadn't had that in so long and it felt very nourishing. And, um, yeah. and, I, and I love, I love that. and I, I love that there's an option like that because I think of, of, of many of the virtual restaurants that I've seen, not that there's anything bad about them, but a lot of it is very like comforting food. And I think you're one of the few virtual restaurants that's really focusing on plant-based, that's focusing on health and wellness and, and, and really doing that, that in a, in a super fresh way. So, yeah, I love that. That makes me feel really good. Yeah. I, I definitely feel the same way just because like when, when, you know, COVID hit, I stockpiled on like pantry food and I was like, oh man, I'm getting all the mac and cheese. I'm getting all the instant mac. I'm getting like the microwave like Indian food. They're like, like, you know, the food that you're like, you question is like, should this, shouldn't this be in the refrigerator aisle? Like, why is it in like just the middle hot aisle? Like, yeah. is this even good? And then about like the third day, I'm like, I'm, I'm done eating this. I'm just, yeah. nostalgia was, was filled to its limit and I'm, I'm done. Is like, is there anything that you stockpiled um, when COVID hit, like that you were like, oh, maybe um, too much or were you just like, I'm just, you just had like, you're full of groceries and fresh, you know, produce. There was a sale. Uh, do you, do you guys know what Annie's mac and cheese is? Yes. Yes. Oh, a little bit. Yes. But yeah, it was a sale, like a dollar a box. So I did get 10 boxes of those. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I like to doctor those up with like some goat cheese. And oh, yeah. See, <laughs> that is the one thing that I do like about any sort of like pre-prepared food or any sort of like box food is like, if you do have fresh ingredients around, you can totally like balance that out a little bit with, you know, you can doctor it up. I used to do that with like, tombstone pizzas or i do i still do that all the time with like instant ramen yeah I do um, that too. when i allow myself to to eat it and it's and it's it's just like yeah it, it helps it out T to be fair sometimes i make instant ramen unhealthier <laughs> i just i just make it even worse <laughs> uh but <laughs> but sometimes i make it healthier i i want to return to the mickle center because you've been you've been working out of there for a few weeks right yeah. um and, and you kind of talked about how like uh, it's it's a communal kitchen. You said there are a number of, of businesses that are, are are doing something similar to you there, right? Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that community? Can you talk to me about that experience of working in that kitchen and what that's like? Because I've certainly never worked in there, um, and I I've never worked in a communal kitchen, so I'm I'm very curious what that's like. So with COVID right now, I think they allow two businesses in the kitchen there at a time. Um, mm -hmm. I'm there later on Mondays um, because my, my mom helps me. She has tons of kitchen experience. She is like the master of cutting vegetables. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that uh, salad you had with the, uh, the, um, the, top the bell peppers. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, yeah. She definitely played most of that. But anyway, sorry, no. I'll stop again. Um, but uh <laughs> So everyone is, is super friendly. Everyone is very, very supportive of one another. Uh, Mary, she's a manager there. She's great too. She's been so helpful um, and is very organized. And it, it seems like everyone like knows what they're doing in there. And um, there's enough space for everyone as well. So I have like my own cage there that I 
I purchased from web restaurant <clears throat> and mm-hmm. that I just like have like my cutting boards and salad uh, spinner and everything like that. So there's enough storage and there's a full calendar. So she knows when everyone is um, there at the Mickle Center. Everyone kind of has like a certain day that they're there to, to prep or do curbside. A lot of them do mm-hmm. deliveries as well. So, oh, so nice. yeah, yeah. You said that your mom has a lot of um, kitchen experience. Does, does she work at a restaurant or just like just working at home, so, like just doing the kitchen in general at home? Um, my mom, so when they lived in Laos, she she worked at the Red Cross Embassy and mm-hmm. she was a nanny um, at the Red Cross Embassy. Um, so she cooked a lot for there were like pilots that they took care of and their family members. So she would cook a lot for the mm-hmm. kids. And then, so when they moved here in the seventies, um, it was easier for her to find a job in the kitchen. So she found a job at Methodist. And then a month after that, her job or her uh, boss at the time said that there was another position um, available at Wesley Acres. Uh, which is a retirement home and I think it's called Wesley Life now. So my mom had like two full-time jobs forever. She was, <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. yeah, hard worker. Um, but yeah, so that's where it was easier for her to be in those types of roles is because um, of the job that she had in Laos at the Red Cross Embassy. Hmm. So. Do you think she has a strong influence in your... Um appreciation for food and going into the re- like creating your own restaurant do you think your parents have like a big like inspiration or big influence in your life to for you to have a passion for food that you do now I definitely do I didn't quite see it at first but my mom making a lot of the American foods and then my dad um, you cooking a lot of the Asian foods I mean the, I mean they both my mom does both too but she did more of the American type of foods. Um, yeah, I was, I always thought it was pretty cool. Like for the bring your daughter to work day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I remember like getting a hairnet and like, like, you know, touring the kitchen and stuff. And I don't think my mom was very like proud of what she was doing, but as a kid, I thought that it was like the coolest thing. And I was like, (laughs) show and tell, I brought like my hairnet and I was like, Oh yeah, this is what we wore kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah. Awesome. yeah yeah i know you said your mom wasn't really like proud of it but how do your parents feel of you pursuing this right now they're excited and i honestly wasn't sure if if they would be but i think that they're they're really proud of it even though they don't like say much they definitely are excited for me and I think my mom's always pretty eager to help me out um, with that <laughs> as well. Or like if I need to prep something up real quick or, you know, or if, if Sam the Club didn't have any of the peeled garlic, then they're like always down to like peel the garlic for me. <laughs> that takes forever. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. The whole bag. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned your mom uh, sometimes helps you cook. Have you been cooking with your your mother for a long time? Well, I growing up, they didn't 
they, they, they kind of, I don't know if it's because they felt bad. They felt like they really needed to fully take care of us, but they're always like, we've got this, we've got this, we've got this, you know, Mm -hmm. even though we were like, try to help. uh, They, I think they felt like, they felt like we, they they needed to do everything. So we didn't help Mm -hmm. out as much in the kitchen as, as I wish I would have, you know? So then where did you learn to cook? Where did, where did all these, where did you learn how to, how to do all this that you're doing today? I think it's just kind of a mixture of like watching everybody, um, you know, like if I'm at my aunt and uncle's house, like watching how mm-hmm. they make something one day or my great aunt or just kind of like, yeah, just kind of observing and then asking a lot of questions and messing up a lot. <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> YouTube University. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm definitely there as well. <laughs> oh, yes. So, yeah, nice. for sure. Uh, uh, what is your favorite um, memory with your family in the kitchen? So my favorite memory, I think... So the most memorable moment I would say with food is um, trying this dandelion salad. Um, so this dandelion salad is a it's a tightum dish and it's a warm it's a warm salad. So it's made with dandelion leaves, peanuts, cilantro, green onion, Thai chili peppers, ginger, galangal, and salt and so we go on, go in a little bit of salt and pepper. And I remember actually going to Waterworks with my great aunt and she would have like a high vee bag and just like pick these dandelion leaves. And I wasn't <laughs> sure what she was doing. And I was like kind of embarrassed, but kind of like, this is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so I didn't like, I tried the salad for the first time um, probably in my 20s. And I was like, wow, this is really good. And I was like, surprised that it was made with dandelion leaves. But I would say that that's probably the most like, memorable, powerful moment. I think that's kind of like an aha moment. Like, I, it's, it's okay to use what you have. Um, and it's okay to try like different like, plants that might not be like sold in your local grocery store, you know? So Uh I think, yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah. I think Doug and I talked about this past, like, kind of like you said, you're a little embarrassed of like, you know, growing up here because not many people are exposed to the different cultures and dishes that you always feel wary of like, if you're going to fit in or like what's, what's normal, like when you're, when you're developing, you're like, what is normal what is like the expectations of like different fruits and vegetables and it's pretty great because i mean we've doug and i talked about this dandelion side or using dandelions in dishes and Mm -hmm. uh we've seen like videos about it but rarely have you met someone who actually talked about you know having a a relative you know use it in a dish yeah I feel like it. this kind of ties back to the elephant ear that you were talking about. Like some people yeah. have yeah. it decoratively and they don't know that you can eat it. And it's like, yeah, I do delicious. wonder how much of uh, how much of the food out there is like that. I And like the benefits of like what it can like do for you. Like we, we probably don't know of, you know. I mean, especially like dandelions, because 
I mean, they're labeled as a weed. Yeah. We sell we sell things that are horrible for you to to spray onto your lawn <laughs> to get rid of yeah. them. And it's like you know when you hear all this, I would say propaganda. Uh, all these things like to say that these are bad, these are, you know, horrible things and you're trying to get rid of them. And then when you hear people like, oh, you're picking them to eat it, it's kind of like mind blowing. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, you kind of like start questioning things like that you believe in. Yeah. And then you're like, OK, maybe maybe what, what about one of these days? Would you put that on a menu like just like a little side dish just for people to try it? Just name it something different like Dandelion. I would 100% order it, because I've, I've never I've never had it before, um, and that that does sound good. And like I, I feel like that would be you know, and it's like super local, right? Like why not? <laughs> yeah. You know, we we've all been dealing with COVID nineteen for a while now, and and David and I have talked in previous episodes about how it has changed our cooking and and how we kind of approach food. Uh, both from like a making food and eating food standpoint, uh, has has COVID nineteen affected the way that you cook? Yeah, I actually asked Ryan that question because I wanted to make sure that I, you know, we were on the same path. But yeah, it definitely has. I think that even though I liked cooking things that you know were more plant based, I definitely cook more plant based now, and I definitely I never liked wasting before um Mm -hmm. but i definitely now use a lot of the ingredients that like repeat a lot of the ingredients or i will use leftovers for a different dish so i've definitely have been saving a lot more money (laughs) (laughs) which is great and um using not not wasting as much and eating a lot more plants and and using again using stuff from my parents' garden too. So mm-hmm. yeah. What do you miss? Like, did you used to go to restaurants a lot before COVID, or like cocktails, or like, what was that like? What do you miss? Oh, I miss that. Like, my, I think my favorite were happy hours because you're getting a good deal. You're spending quality time with your friends, and um, like you are, you have the ability to kind of just sample a bunch of things and not spend so much money. Um, So I I miss that, you know, that, yeah, I do. Hypothetically, tomorrow COVID is gone. What's the happy hour you go to? Ooh, good question. Where are you going first? What's your, what's your (laughs) COVID is over first outing? First outing. I would say, so I had a really good experience before COVID at, is it Luau? Um, mm, Lua, Lua Brewing? Yeah. I, I, w- yeah. I would probably hit that up. It was a really good experience. And I, ever since that day, I was like, yeah, definitely would go. I probably would go there and sit on their patio still. Still on the patio, you know? But yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? David? Oh man, I, have a, I think I have a few few locations. Um, I think the one thing I miss uh, so El Fogon, mm. I there was this like family of like little mariachis. It was like this. Uh, I think she was like between like eight and ten year old with like her mom and her dad, and the little sister was uh, there was like two little girls. So one was like seven to eight, 
And then the other sister was like five and they were just like sing. Like she was like the lead singer, but it was just like having like a live little band and that experience and um, having like seeing like fresh fajitas or fresh dishes, like sizzle behind you and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that'd be one. And then I definitely, Lua was on my list, but I'm not going to repeat that one. <laughs> and as far as like happy hour goes, like hello, Marjorie or like Juniper. Miller. Yeah, mm. definitely. Sorry. I, was like, I just haven't been loved cocktails like uh, that to that many plays like it just been for a while i'm like i just kind of like forgot what's out there you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, oh yeah i i feel like we're forgetting about some of these places and it's yeah, yeah it's, it's rough how about you doug uh i i think definitely it's i've done it so many times and i haven't been able to do it for so long but i've always loved uh, the Django happy hour, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and so mm-hmm. going there, getting a, uh, probably a martini, uh, ordering up some oysters, maybe some mussels frites and just like ordering all the little tiny side dishes and just being able to try all of them. I miss that. Yeah. Um, that's, and that, that was always really, really good. Uh, definitely would go to Lua as well. Their beer is just unfairly good for how new of a brewery they are <laughs> and then their food their food program is also um, really spot on and really exceptional so. you can follow Jen Bacom and Savid at food of Savid on Instagram that's uh, f-o-o-d underscore o-f underscore s-i-v-i-d uh, once again, on Instagram, and that's where she announces her pop-up schedule and her menu. Thank you to Bo Brenton for our music. You can find him on social at Bo Brenton. That is B-E-A-U-B-R-E-N-T-O-N. And you can find us at We Are Beyond Hungary on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, where you can DM us questions or comments. Uh, you can also reach us by email at wearebeyondhungary at gmail.com. And please reach out and let us know what you've liked, what you haven't, and what you'd like to hear from us about. As always, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or however you rate podcasts. We'd really appreciate it if you can find the time. Thank you for listening. Thanks. Thanks.